Hi there, it's Alan Mitchell along with Brennan Clack hanging around for the next uh, two hours. Brought to you by Go Autos Kenwood Ford. Great selection, great service. 133rd Avenue and 97th Street. A very busy day on the way to an extremely busy night in the city of Edmonton as we have an early game for the HNIC. And that means, you know, you, you, can, you can go out for dinner afterwards, right? And nosh. I think that's a word. Yeah. So we've got great guests today. Tom Gazzola from TSN, Ian Tullock from The Athletic. Both sides now. We'll get the Oilers side, and then we'll get the Maple Leaf side. You can reach us at 101260 via text in the Boston Pete's inbox, also on Twitter at Low Tide and at NHL Update. And with that, we say hello to our, our good friend, Brendan Clack. So you got your hair cut finally, uh, looking like you're uh, out and about and part of the population again. Good to see. And that's a good thing because I'm going to be at the Oilers and Leafs game later tonight, and uh, I want to make I want to make sure I'm looking really fresh around those Leafs fans, just in case I get into a fight and then I'm in the paper. Because you never know; those Leafs fans are pretty uh, pretty aggressive people sometimes. And well, here's the thing that that does happen, uh, and maybe I, we were talking about on the blog today. Maybe people don't know uh, Leafs fans are. Would you say they're twenty percent, thirty percent, forty percent, or fifty percent of the of the group that will go to the game tonight? I would say it could be close to uh, thirty-five to forty percent. Like right. The last and I time think that's fair. Yeah. I went to the one in twenty twelve, I think, at Rexall Place when Leafs came to Edmonton, and yeah, it was really, really packed, and and there was a lot of blue jersey. Now the team wasn't in a playoff race necessarily at the time; they were at the basement in, in that season. but Well, here's here's what I, I, I do believe is this team could win the Stanley Cup. I'm talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the fans know it, and the fans are, um, they build up to this because it's like one time a year. So there's, I've seen fights between Maple Leafs fans at these games. So, and that that's added to the 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 vinegar acid stew of oiler disappointment fans. So I would just say this: be careful out there. Have a good time. You know, don't don't bite off more than you can chew. If somebody is being ver- verbally abusive, you know, find a, a, a somebody who can help you out from from staff. Uh, don't get involved. Now, if you're going there to create havoc, then at least create havoc with people who are like-minded in terms of wanting to create havoc. If you see a guy with an oiler jersey and he's with his girl and you decide that you want to make fun of him because Tavares scored his third goal of the night, maybe step off. Just saying. You know, luckily, my friends are pretty, uh, mostly calm. I've got one friend, he knows who he is, and uh, he's more of a, an energy energy guy that will bring people in, though, to celebrate with them because he's so right. tanked. But so, that's okay. See, that, that's the that's the happy guy. It's a happy drop. Right. Yeah, yeah. so we're all, we're, if we get rowdy, we're not going to no. be getting rowdy in terms of the fisticuffs. We're going to be no. rowdy in terms of the woo variety. The, Maybe not me. I'm more quiet. Right. And and mostly, like, I remember one time a guy spilled a little bit of beer. I took my daughter to the game and spilled a little bit of beer. It's very apologetic. I think you can work around this socially. It's just that there's a lot of rage in the cage in our town tonight. And it's coming from both sides. And this is not the classic Oiler home game that one would imagine. So be careful out there as they used to say at the beginning of uh, Hill Street Blues. Uh, great show. I'm really looking forward to our two hours here. We're going to talk Oilers and Leafs. This is a big game. Let me preface it by saying this. I believe there's about a 35% chance the Oilers win this on merit tonight. Now, there may be adrenaline. 
The Oilers have the best player in the world on their side. Uh, Koskinen could shoot lights out, and they could stay out of the penalty box. All of those things are possible. But having said that, I think it's about a 35, maybe 40% chance for the Oilers to win tonight. The Toronto Maple Leafs are coming in angry. Mike Babcock has to announce his authority, uh, his, his presence with authority, so he'll need to tweak something or do something. Kadri is back. That'll make uh, uh, life miserable for Connor McDavid. Uh, this to me feels like a 4-2 win, maybe with an empty net goal for the the visiting side. I'm not trying to put rain on your parade. That's my view from 10,000 feet about tonight's game. That said, the Edmonton Oilers are in a playoff race. The Minnesota Wild did them enormous favor last night by doing in the, the bad against the the Florida Panthers, and now the Oilers are are seven out, but they have two games in hand on Minnesota. So if they win tonight, you're looking at five with a game in hand, and now we're cooking with whatever uh, kind of fuel you want to name. That's a big night. This is a great opportunity for the Edmonton Oilers. It's one of those where where you can, as the coach, you can say. Remember when we talked about this? Remember when I said we could get you there? I could get you there. I could lead you there. We're so close to there. Ketchcock can give that speech today. He can. The problem is the Toronto Maple Leafs are a pretty damn good team, and they're mad as hell because the Vancouver Canucks beat them. This is a big game. Make no mistake about it. The Edmonton Oilers, traditionally over the last dozen years, have been hammered, 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 like a nail that will not go in but gets hammered on Saturday nights. The hockey night in Canada pose for this Oiler individual is usually fetal position behind the couch by the third period. They don't do well on Saturday night. This is a big game. It's national television. Everybody's watching. I'm hoping for a great game. A result of any sort, a tie and a loss in overtime and a shootout should be viewed a victory for the Oilers. Do you see it the same way or are you looking a little differently? Well, the thing that I'm looking for is kind of, I feel like Connor McDavid, this is his game to take over. When you saw the game against Toronto last time, I felt like McDavid was trying to force things a little well, I bit. I think he was just back, right? Wasn't he just back from like, the, yeah. T- Tavares was, was all over him that game. Like they really spent, uh, they must have spent time just going, okay, you're going to be almost shadowing him for this game. They they, tried, he was, yeah. He really was. And so was the defenseman too. I can't remember his name, which one it was. And I, I feel uh, like Riley. this is McDavid's no. game to kind of just take over, especially because it's the Leafs, right? It's the team that, how many how many Toronto writers just were pumping out the oh McDavid's going to want out eh he's going to want out and, oh, and they're all over him yeah. and he's the hometown guy and that was embarrassing by the way just, it's it's yeah. him it's his uh, like I feel like this is the type of game he would be like you know what I need to come out I need to put up three points I need to shut everybody up and I need the Oilers to win thanks to me oh. and he's done that a few times recently and he's on a hot streak he's his passing has been just. I mean, Gresky like at times uh, the last couple games. He's pretty good, I think. He's pretty know. good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So t- tonight's one of those games you're just kind of feeling like he's he's mad. He's coming. The uh, we'll talk to Gazola here in a little while about lineups and, and what we might expect, and then Ian Tullock will join us from the Athletic at one o'clock to talk about the Maple Leaf side of this. Uh, but I have an assignment for you. At uh, when are we going to do this? At one one twenty, or are we going to do it at twelve forty? When will you choose? We, we can do it whenever. I'm about right. 120. Okay. Give me more time. All right. 120. Your assignment is this. The Edmonton Oilers enter summer with a substantial shopping list and one area of strength, defense, including all available major and minor league players, graduating junior and Euro talent. Give me your keeper defense list, the players you would actively shop on defense, and a list of players, prospects you would be willing to deal in the right trade. So that is a little bit of work for you. You'll need, what, nine minutes? Uh, less. Okay. But it's still very, that, that is a heavy, 
Well, topic is a lot of names, a lot of people. Well, and we're going to go through it piece by piece. There's a lot of reasons why I asked that loaded question. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are getting some really good news in Bakersfield and uh, in the Ontario League uh, as well about some of the guys that they drafted outside the first round. Like we're going all the way down to the Robin Norell bone right here. We're, well, we are, and we do go far to the Robin uh, Kolvar bone, but that doesn't exist anymore. But we're going to talk about Samarikov, and we're going to talk about other guys, and and how this build is happening. We learned a lot about the deadline at the deadline about when the Oilers were shopping for players and rentals and what they were asked for. Some interesting names came up. We're going to talk all about that at one twenty today. The Briar down to four teams: uh, Kevin Cooey, uh, North Ontario's Brad Jacobs, uh, Brad Gushu, and. Uh, Brendan Botchers, wildcard ring from Edmonton. Did you know that uh, Kevin Cooey could join Ernie Richardson, Randy Furby, and Kevin Martin as the only skips to win four career Briars? There was a time when I knew more about Ernie Richardson, and I think it was Stoughton, Saskatchewan, that they are from. He had a brother and two cousins, I believe, one who had to leave because of um, illness. Uh, he wrote books on curling. Uh, he, he, he absolutely Saskatchewan through and through, but the Richardson family stories were passed down from family to family, like Tommy Douglas sleeping in people's, you know, uh, kitchens. Uh, if you grew up in Saskatchewan, you, I guarantee if you dig deep enough, you're going to have a Richardson story. So that's interesting because that was a guy who I think won four, like, you know, worlds back before people won worlds. So that's one. Randy Furby, we know. Kevin Martin, we know. Uh, and he, of course, was honored with a big award we can talk about as well. So uh, there's a lot of Briar talk coming your way today because that's going on as well. Uh, do you think they'll run the same lineup, the Oilers, today? We'll talk to to uh, Gazzola about this, but he had talked, Hitchcock had talked about maybe moving Kara up. I don't know that that happens right away or in the little, next little while. Well, it might depend on injuries a little bit. I know that Milan Lucic has had a hip thing that they've been dealing with, and he's expected to play, but they might want to put him on a lower. Like, like a, it all depends on the how they want to manage the minutes today. Uh, something that I kind of want to mention because it's on my mind right now is I'm seeing a lot of texts coming in. They're like, "We got to shadow Marner. We got to shut down Marner. We got to shadow Marner tonight." Uh, you know, what's the thought about the Oilers and and the Leafs is that. Who do you, it would say you shut down Marner in Toronto. Well, they still have Tavares and Matthews and Nylander and Kadri is expected. Like, like, how can you shut down one guy? Well, I think here's what, okay, I'm going to say this and then it's going to bleed into what our conversation is going to be uh, later. I think the Oilers have a problem with their second pairing. So the, the conversation between Hitchcock and his coaches has to be, who are the Clefbaum Larson pairing is going to be out there um, a lot, well, probably 27, 28 minutes. How do you divide up the rest of the time? Lately, the second pair has been playing, you know, 20 minutes or more as well. And then the third pair has been playing 11 or 12 or whatever's left, not a lot. I, I would be very tempted to bump up the, the Sakura minutes. Now, that may be a mistake, but that's, and Hitchcock knows more about, he's forgotten more about hockey than I'll ever know, but that's my feeling. I think that second pair, the Nurse-Russell pair, is a concern, and if they do bleed out tonight, 
I my suspicion is it'll have something to do there. So I, uh, my guess, my my point would be, you know, everybody's worried about you know who the forwards are up against Marner. I'd I'd make damn good and sure that that if I could, Sakura was out there and Larson was out there. I think those are your best defenders. I think Nurse ha- is it can get caught sometimes. And, and the quickness of Marner would be a lot for him uh, with Russell as his partner. If they move Secker up there, then it's a different conversation. That's my opinion. All right. It's 12-14. We're going to take a break. On the way, Gazzola will join us with all that hair to talk about the Oilers lineup, what everybody's thinking, goaltending, and how big this massive game is tonight. Don't forget, we have the Don Wheaton on White pregame show at 3.30 today. This is Saturday Sports Extra on TSN 1260. This is the Saturday Sports Extra Podcast On Demand. This is Saturday Sports Extra, brought to you by Go Autos Kenwood Ford. Great selection, great service, 133rd Avenue, 97th Street. Uh, The time change is this weekend, like tomorrow morning. You don't have to get up at 3 a.m., but that's when it begins. So what what we usually do at our house uh, is we have clocks and we change them back uh, the Saturday night before we go to bed. Um, Sometimes we forget. The computer is great because you just turn it on, you know, instantly. But if you're somebody who has to be somewhere Sunday morning at 9, make sure that you've done the adjustment. Because sometimes Sunday morning, now by Monday, uh, you should be able to figure that out. But Sunday can be an issue. The if For those who like to keep track of these things, the, the, the Daylight Savings 2019 uh, time for Alberta is is 3 a.m. on Sunday, March 10th. That's tomorrow. And then in the fall, uh, it ends Sunday, November 3rd at 2 a.m. Spring forward, fall back. They're all difficult when you get to be my age. You move an hour anywhere, and it's just like, it's like, stop it. You know? One thing I will tell you is the boomers and the echo boomers are going to get this rule changed because we all get grumpy for about a week. You know, instead of getting up to go to the bathroom at 2.30, it's now 3.30. It changes everything. All right. One guy who doesn't have to worry about being on time because they don't start without him. It's Mr. Gazzola. How are you, sir? I wish that was true, Low Tide. I oh, wish that was come true. Come on. You're telling me they'd start a media veil. Hitchcock's there and he can't see your hairdo. He knows you're not there. He's waiting. I don't know if I'm – I don't think I'm in his top 10 favorites in this city, to be honest with you. I think he loathes answering my questions. Well, because they're great questions. Of course. That, I only bring heat. So, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I like – I always like when you start one of your questions, Hitch, what were you thinking when you yeah. – uh, that's, that's always a good one, right? That's a friend getter. That's that's uh, yeah, that's a good way to endear yourself to a head coach that's been around forever and, and is a legend. So yeah, just question everything he does, and he'll really like you. Is there a, now? I'm asking this just as a you're a young uh, uh, television broadcaster individual uh, in that room with a lot of uh, folks who've been doing it a long time. Uh, now you're 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 working for TSN. Do you feel there's a is there some pressure to get a great question, or is there is there a situation where if you're about to ask a question and say Rashog is ahead of you and he asked the same bl- blasted question, do you need to have a backup? Well, I mean, if Rashog asks a question before me and it's what I was going to ask, I think to myself, um, okay, I'm thinking the right, I'm on the right path here with my train of thought. But you know what, Al? Like when I was with Oilers TV, I would have to like really hold back what I would ask and how I would ask it just 
so I wouldn't get my my head chewed off for, <laughs> for you know, pissing the wrong person off. And uh, I actually, even even keeping that in mind for the eight years I was there, I still pissed off the coaches. I remember Todd, <laughs> Todd McClellan gave it to me one night uh, in Washington last season. They, they lost in a shootout. It was a 1-1 game, and it went into a shootout, and they lost them in the shootout. And nobody wanted to start the scrum. And I'm sitting there with Hall of Famers. I'm sitting there with the, the regional broadcasters and then a bunch of Washington media. Nobody wanted to start it. So I got the thing going. I just said, hey, Todd, uh, you know, you guys pull out a, a point out of a tough building. You know, what would you think of your team's performance? And it was one of those situations where he was seeing red, and no matter who was going to ask him, the first question, he was going to be pissed off. And it just so happened to be me. And I guess he went back into it. The way he asked, he answered it okay. But I could tell he was mad. And I'm like, oh, boy, I don't I don't know if this is going to go well. And I guess he went into the coach's room right after. And he just MF'd me uh, up and down that room to the other coaches. And uh, J.J. Bear came over to me and he was like, hey, man, you got you to gotta talk to Todd. He's not happy with you. And I'm like, Why? All I did was start the scrum, and uh, sure enough, we talked it out like men, and he's like, you know what? I didn't care who was asking that first question. I was going to be mad. And I was like, okay, well, at least I could talk to you about it. But, yeah, there's there's a tact to it. And, um, you know, now with TSN, though, I feel like I can ask away and just throw high, hard ones if I want to. And it's kind of nice. It's refreshing, to be honest, because – all those years with Oilers TV, I would be asking myself internally those questions, and I knew if I asked them to the coaches or the GMs, I'd get, I'd just get in trouble. So now it's kind of nice. McClellan always struck me as a guy. I know I watched. I always watch the the post games, and uh, you know there, there were points where he, you know, he grit his teeth a little bit, and you could feel maybe he was in his left pocket shaking some change or whatever. And and there's a irritability, I guess, is what I would call it. And Hitch has the same too. His entire tone changes uh, depending upon if they're winning or he's losing. I, I like if they're if they're winning, you might be there an hour. Uh, if they're not. Then, then probably it's going to be a shorter one. But I, I, I do feel your pain. Like there are times when it wouldn't matter if you just said, "Hey, how you doing?" It might, it might be enough to to push the guy over. Oh, totally. And I mean, obviously, when you spend time around coaches, you get a read on them. One guy who was bizarre was Dallas Akins. Just you, you couldn't get a read on him, no matter what. And he was one of those guys that would needle you back. But for whatever reason, I managed to do okay with him. But with Hitch, I think the other day, he just walked away from a question. I think <laughs> Jim Matheson asked him something about Kyle Brodziak, and he just walked away. Uh, but then you're right about the other side of Hitch. Like, I think he just likes to shoot the breeze with the media, and, and he likes to paint his own, his own picture of, of how he's seeing things and and for a guy that's got this reputation as not really enjoying the media spotlight and, and being somewhat shy, he sure likes to talk. And he likes to – he'll BS you and tell you what he thinks, even though it's total you-know-what. And uh, so it's kind of interesting to see him in that light. But if he doesn't like something – there's been a few post games Al, where he'll, he'll just talk for like 58 seconds and then be like, I'm done with this and walk away. And he's got – I mean, he's certainly earned that right over the years, but as a 
he doesn't John Tortorella you. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? Uh, yeah, no. Tor- Tor- Tortorella, it's almost downright res- disrespectful how he does it sometimes. It, I mean, I, the fans love it, obviously. And, and if you're not in those scrums as media, you kind of snicker and laugh and be like, God, I'm glad I'm not dealing with him every day. But, uh, but yeah, Hitch has his own way, but you're right. Like, he, he can almost pat Quinn you where he'll just go on and on, and you're like, what are you even talking about yeah. anymore? I can't remember the question. <laughs> Once you get to Barbara Ann Scott, you know it's, uh, it's, it's no longer a press conference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, what is this? Uh, TSN 1260, we're joined by Tom Gazzola. Setting up today's game, uh, the Oilers obviously against the Maple Leafs. Uh, Maple Leafs come in here. I imagine they're a grumpy lot uh, because of the loss against Vancouver. They're still a hell of a team. And the Oilers are on a nice roll here. They got a favor from the Florida Panthers last night. So I imagine this group is fairly upbeat at this point in time. Yeah, and Al, in that dressing room, you could tell like there's a confidence building. I know it might be too little, too late. Seven points back, 15 games to go. Yes, they've got the two games in hand on mini, but you look at that mini situation, it's almost like going into that back-to-back in Florida and Tampa, it, it basically you expect them to beat Florida and then lose to Tampa, and you just flip that. So I guess that comes out as a wash if you're scoreboard watching. But as for the Oilers, I would hope that they keep what happened to them in Toronto 10 days ago front of mind. Just, just you know, that seven-minute breakdown where they let four goals in and they just basically ruined a, a good first period and what looked like was going to start out to be a good road game. They need to remember that, use that as, as motivation, and then – Keep doing what they're doing. They're playing smart hockey lately, and uh, they're getting some secondary scoring finally. I mean, uh, last game, you know, we see Sam Gagne and Alex Chase on score goals, and, you know, Josh Curry's contributed, and, uh, I mean, maybe Tobias Reeder scores a goal at some point, but um, if you're the Oilers, yeah, you just want to ride that high. Remember what Toronto did to you a couple weeks ago and use that but the Leafs get Kadri back, it sounds like, tonight. He's missed the last eight games with a concussion, and we all know what he's done to Connor McDavid in recent years. And, and then the other thing, too, is going to be that building today. It's, there's, love it or hate it, there's going to be a lot of Leafs fans, and, uh, and the Oilers are going to have to fight that. And it's, I mean, you know as well as I do, Low Tide, how, how uh, Leafs fans show up to that building, and they have all throughout the Oilers' existence in the NHL. So that's going to be something they're going to have to battle as well. TSN 1260, it's the Lowdown with Low Tide. Our guest is Tom Gasola. We're talking about uh, tonight's game. Uh, we'll have the preview uh, for you at 3.30 today, the Don Wheaton on White pregame show, uh, Toronto at the Oilers. Uh, Hitch talked a little bit about moving Kara up in the lineup uh, in a, after the last post game and, and the following day. Uh, I wonder, though, because the, the top two lines seem to have some cam going on. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, like guys like Gagne are playing well, Chase on scoring, Cassian scoring. It feels like there's a little bit of good there on the top two lines. Do you do you see the lines changing? Kara maybe moving up a little bit, or or where do you see this landing here for tonight's game? I mean, if you're reading into what what Ken Hitchcock's saying, and uh, I mean, we'll see what Milan Lucic's status too. That's another thing. He he took yesterday off. He's been sore. Didn't play much in that third period against the Canucks. Um, and, and we've seen him demoted, if you will, to, to the fourth line or playing fourth line minutes at times. I, I'm, I'm of the mind you keep Josh Curry doing what he's doing, and Colby Cave seems to have picked it up lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
you know, I don't know if you think the same thing, Lowside, but if, if you really wanted to move Kara up, maybe slot him in where Lucic is yeah. playing, especially yeah. if the big man's hurting. And, and I think that would be the most reasonable thing. And, and maybe that's what we do see today because, uh, I mean, Lucic, if he's banged up and, and he's really not providing you much anyway, then uh, put him on the fourth line. Or if he's that hurt, just get Brad Malone back in there and then move Jujar up. Yeah. So I think that's the most logical thing in that regard. And, and keep in mind, Kara's coming back off a lengthy uh, time off as well. So we'll see how he does coming back. But if, if Hitchcock really wants to do that, put him on that left side on the third line. I think that's uh, probably the most logical thing. Uh, it's it's a, a, such an important game in this team's season, uh, and, and we talked about you know the rest of the schedule and all of that. But they've had a hard time against Toronto going back some time now. Uh, I think we feel like you know Connor McDavid has not played his best game against Toronto in a while. Certainly, the the earlier game uh, in Ontario uh, wasn't his best. There were reasons for that. He had to, uh, a suspension and and uh, illness as well. But I this is this is the kind of game or day or, or event because it's a big game where, where we might see the great McDavid go off here a little bit. Obviously there's Marner and Dreisaitl and Matthews and some few others here as well. Uh, but I, I feel like we're going to, we might be in for something special tonight from 97. Well, you could, I mean, just watching him these last few years, obviously we all know how amazing he is and, and the things he's capable of doing. And, I think, you know, I talked earlier about them using that, that game from 10 days ago as motivation. And Connor's the kind of guy that that's something he'll be remembering, uh, that he didn't have a great performance, the team didn't have a great performance, and he's the kind of guy that uses that as motivation, and, and especially with it being his hometown team. The only time I can really think where he lit up the Leafs was in his rookie year, I think, where where he broke out for four or five points and the Leafs were a pretty weak team. Obviously that they were, uh, they won the lottery the next year and picked up uh, Matthews. So yeah, you're right. Like it's, it's been tough sledding against the Leafs and, and with Kadri back in his hip pocket, that might be uh, a deterrent for him, but knowing Connor McDavid, especially you're right, rising to the occasion. Um, Keith, I find this funny. It's a five o'clock start here in Edmonton. Uh, Surprise, surprise, because the Leafs are here and they want them in the in the primetime slot on on uh, that broadcast. So, yeah, I think that the stage is set and uh, it's a big one. So we'll see if if Connor can come to the. Uh, rise to the top, if you will. Well, the good thing for you is the game is over by eight. You're done by nine thirty. You can get a Slurpee on the way home. Oh, <laughs> I'll spike that Slurpee, Al. <laughs> I don't blame you. Gazzola, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Anytime, low tide. All right. That's uh, Tom Gazzola. Great guy. Oh, dang it. That's two times now. I said the same thing uh, about, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Guy Fleming, and he heard me last week. I got I to gotta drop those guys before I say nice things. Not good. There was like a Twitter thread after that, wasn't there? Like it was. I yeah, saw a bunch yeah, of yeah. tweets and... Well, you know, you, the thing about Gazzola has no – Gazzola knows he's good. It's all good. He doesn't have a, a bad attitude or anything like that. So I can say great guy and it won't go to his head. Flaming, you got you to gotta watch because if you say too many things nice about him, uh, pretty soon he's asking if you can pick him up and drop him to work. What do you, what, 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 that's, that's basically how it goes. Yeah, that must suck to have people asking you to drive <laughs> you to work. 
I don't know why people don't like me. Uh, on the way, Ian Tullick from Tia, from uh, from the Athletic. I want the Toronto side. You know, you may not know this, but the Toronto Maple Leafs have been around a while. You know what is one thing they've never done before? I don't think. I'll check it out. But I don't think they've ever won fifty games before in an NHL season. Well, they also haven't won the cup since nineteen sixty-seven. Sorry, sorry. Nicely you know, done. Slid that first in. shot. Yep. Uh, you know what's really weird? You want to know how age impacts an individual? Like, you, you have a great memory from when you were young, right? I do not remember. My my whole family were Leafs fans. We watched the 60s. We were the t- typical Canadian family watching the Leafs every Saturday night. I do not remember the 67 Stanley Cup. The next year, 67, 68, I, I can't remember what month it was, but the Leafs traded Frank Mahovlich. And I remember that clear as day. Clear as day, I remember that moment. But six months earlier, they won the cup, and I don't remember it at all. Isn't that funny how the timeline works? I feel like Twitter would have been ablazing with that trade. Greg Mahovlich is the trending topic. And then, to make matters worth, apparently, based on what my family reaction was, it was bad enough he was traded to Detroit. But then about 18 months later, he was traded to Montreal, and that basically ended English Canada. That's like Taylor Hall playing in Calgary, and then they dealt him to Vancouver. Frank Mahovlich playing for the Montreal Canadiens and winning the Stanley Cup almost as soon as he got there was, was, it was trash city around our house and a lot of other places too. All right. It's 1237. We'll take a break. It's Saturday Sports Extra on TSN 1260. This is the Saturday Sports Extra podcast on demand. This is Saturday Sports Extra presented by Go Autos Kentwood Ford. Great selection. Great service. 133rd Avenue, 97th Street. Check it out. KenwoodFord.com. Hey, LT. What happens when the Blue Jackets miss the playoffs? Does that mean the Oilers could poach Anderson as McDavid dry righty? Also, the Leafs fans are the worst fans on earth. Well, um, I'll leave the Leafs comment aside. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of Leafs fans who are well-deserving of a Stanley Cup. So I, 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 the Leafs fans I know I can't agree on, although... I know there's going to be experiences in the stands tonight that are not um, not really worthy of a, a proud organization, but that's individuals as opposed to the actual team or, or the, the bulk of the fan base. As far as Anderson is concerned, Columbus is an interesting team. They, they've loaded up, and if they don't make the playoffs, oh my God, there'll be changes there in coaching, maybe even higher. And that sort of leads me to my next topic of conversation with you, Clack, which is... Uh, John Willis wrote a great article at The Athletic this week about the the, the general manager uh, job search n- not cutting a, a wide enough swath based on the names we know. Now, he does say, and it is unfair to, to just say that, uh, you know, oh, well, it's not, it's not a wide enough swath because we don't know all of the names. Having said that, it, do- it looks a lot like this is the, the Hockey Canada list and folks who are friends list, and, and that's... If you're going to do a thorough job, I think you have to look everywhere. Is that fair? I think it's fair. I mean, I, I first thing I saw on the GM list, I just noticed right away, Hockey Canada, Hockey Canada, Hockey Canada. And I remember we went through on the show about some GM candidates. That was one of my homework assignments a while yes, ago. Yes, And I just felt like this list kind of missed the mark. I just feel like there's guys on that list where – you have to wonder about their pedigree in the last couple of years as to why they deserve a chance to be the GM right now. Like I look at Dave Nonis, I think, okay, he's had two cracks at the can already. 
he was the guy that gave David Clarkson his bad contract. Is he the guy that should be considered based on his resume? Not really. Just to me. Uh, it, it, I think these things have a, a, a sort of a, a chemical life of their own where, where these names bubble up over time. And Notice's name had not bubbled up. Uh, previous to this uh, that I can recall. I don't remember the last time his name had, had been under consideration, and maybe I missed it, and that's all fair. Uh, Fuda's name has been out there a few times. Uh, um, Elliot Friedman had mentioned John Ferguson Jr., who, believe it or not, makes a little bit of sense in that he's worked with Keith Gretzky. Uh, there's a connection there, all kinds of different things. But but even with that, I don't I don't think the the swath based on what we know has been wide or or uh, deep enough. And then the other side of it is there's there's all kinds of things. I was talking to Jason Greger yesterday about you know why I think Mike Gillis is a good candidate. And Gillis is an aggressive guy, and he looks everywhere for improvement. Uh, what he did in Vancouver was he looked at sleep patterns and and he did add around the edges uh, to that roster. N- not not big pieces out, big pieces in, but he added really important pieces to to what the roster was. And you're like, oh, come on, sleep patterns, but that's important. Analytics is important. You know, I I would like to know what what there was a there were two transactions that happened in the last couple of months and i if i had time to write a book i would write a book about them one was the washington capitals acquiring jensen from detroit and then sending him immediately to a four year deal they feel like they have a top four defenseman there and i think they paid him what was it 2.5 a year four times 10 or four total of 10 2.5 per and they i i i i, I sense that and based on the numbers i'm looking at that they, they feel they got a top four defenseman, second pair, right guy, and now they've got that problem solved for four years. That's what I think they did. Over in Edmonton, at the same time, the, the Peter Shirelli goes out and trades for Brandon Manning, who has a year left on his contract, and, and the, the, the analytics numbers that I look at are not, are not beautiful for that player. So whatever those two transactions represent, I would like to know all of the things that went into the Jensen acquisition and signing by Washington and all of the things that went into for Peter Shirelli to make the trade for Brandon Manning. And and right there, in my opinion, right there, you have what the issue is in good old our town. And you can say, well, it's the pro scouting. Sure. But, but is it more than that? Is it the communication between what this, that, and the other is there's no analytics department is, is, that's an area, and what 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 I'm seeing now is the Oilers are going to hire the guy and then make all of these decisions. I think analytics and and sports science are too important. Sleep patterns, flights, meal times on the road, all of those things. You need to take that out of the hands of the general manager and have a department that looks at those things. And and you know maybe the general manager doesn't understand uh, analytics very well. Well, then hire a guy who can take all of the data, and believe me, starting next year, there's going to be way more of it. Take all of the data, hire the guy to take all of that and, and to, to uh, uh, parse it down to something that is understandable for the general manager and make sure the general manager respects the guy who's giving the information and, and have that together. Because I believe Washington does, based on what I know about their analytics department. I believe Toronto does. I believe Tampa Bay does. So if the Edmonton owners are trying to change this and turn this rig around, then, then then I do believe that's something they have to look at. I really do. 
Do you have time for a really quick story? Yeah, although I do want to mention one quick thing too. You you mention yours, then I'll tell you my story. What I do like about one of the names in the list, and I've said his name before, I know that there's people that are questioning the decision-making that Vegas has made, but Kelly McCrimmon, they have an analytic crew in Vegas. Yes. And they listen to them paramount. Like right. Mark Stone, Paul Stastny, Max Pacioretty, those three guys that they brought in to form their new second line, those are all guys that analytics love. loves. All yeah. three of them. Yes. Not to mention that... Shea Theodore, Alex Tuck, they gave, they gave those guys long-term extensions knowing that they play a style of game that favors possession. And the righty defenseman, too, is a really nice analytics player. And if I'm going to defend Kelly McCrimmon as a good uh, guy to have on that list, it's that, yeah, maybe they overpaid for guys on some contracts and some trades. Yeah, you could say that Pacioretty, that was a pretty big return to give Suzuki away. And, and, and I love Nick Suzuki, but Vegas' one thing they wanted to do was come in and make that a hockey market at the beginning and make it so that the fans embrace them early and be competitive early. And they went to the Stanley Cup final, and now they're 5-0 and since the Mark Stone trade. So yep. I'll tell you what, what Kelly McCrimmon has done with George McPhee in Vegas is exactly what they wanted to do. So if he comes to Edmonton, I have no doubt that he's going to have the same mindset that the Oilers need to win now. Absolutely. And that's all I want. I, uh, If they come in and say, we've got another five-year plan, I think the fans, they lose the fans. They need to be aggressive. And and uh, your point is too well taken about McCrimmon. All right, here's my story. The reason I think that the analytics department has to be not necessarily totally independent of the general manager, but you need to have that department and the general manager has to respect that department is because the amount of information, the new data that they're going to roll out here starting next season, it's if you're, if you are not caught up to what they're doing now and you don't have your own intellectual property in the analytics department, then you're already so far behind. You may never catch up, but this fall, if you don't, then you're dead. And that's the truth. So to give you an example of what that might look like in old timey terms, uh, Jimmy Carter was elected president of the United States. Um, the, Gerald Ford took over from Richard Nixon. They, they were not going to elect a Republican. And Jimmy Carter came in, and he was a peanut farmer from Georgia. A very nice man and, and probably one of the most successful ex-presidents in history. But Jimmy Carter's idea about how to be the president of the United States needed to be altered very quickly after he became president. Uh they gave him, he asked for the budget. He said, I want to see the budget. And the budget, the, the U.S. budget at the time, this is 1976 or 7, it would have been like this big, like and I'm, I'm holding up my hand, and it's a very large fish. So they give it to him, and he starts reading it. And they, they stop him, and they say, you cannot do this. We gave you this, this folder with five pages. That's what you have to read. You have to know this. You can't read the whole thing. That's the problem. The problem is the, the job of... The analytics department is so massive, you can't ask the GM to do it. The Edmonton Oilers are still, to this day, in my opinion, when Peter Shirelli left, it was still being run this way, like a 1975 furniture store, where the big guy made all the decisions, and somebody put coffee on him for in the morning, and he smiled at his secretary, and he drove his wagon that he drove, and they bought a new uh, 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 delivery truck uh, once every five years, and they sold off the other one probably to somebody who worked at the store at a discounted price, and everybody got a turkey at Christmas. Guess what? That's gone. It's gone. And, and my hope is that Bob Nicholson hires somebody 
like uh, your man McCrimmon in Vegas, and he institutes all of this. But my real hope was that they would say, no matter what, who we hire, we've got to we've got to be asking this guy great questions, and he's got to respect the analytics. So if they're asking any of these guys on their list about analytics, and the guy's saying, "Well, I always believe in the eye test," and they go right, then you're dead in the water. I'm not saying the eye test is bad. I'm saying you need to use everything, all of the analysis available to you. And the example I'll use is why did the Washington Capitals go out and get a defenseman they like well enough to sign for four years as their second-pairing right-handed guy, and that's the guy the orders are looking for, and they don't even look at him. They're too busy trying to gift themselves Brandon Manning for next year. And you want to tie in tonight's Toronto Maple Leafs? Because they went out and they got Jake Muzzin who I thought was their deadline acquisition. They got, they got a lot of flack for not making a deadline move, but Muzzin was their move. Yes. And another analytic guy who was a darling. But you think about the room, and you think about not just Kyle Dubas making that call, but they have Lawrence Gilman in there. They have Brendan Shanahan in there. They have Brandon, uh, Brendan Freedom, who uh very smart guy who used to run extra skater. It's a committee. Oh, it's, yeah, it's more of a committee now than it ever has been to make these decisions and calls. There, there are one area, we're going to talk to Ian Tullick about this next hour, and you might want to chime in on this because I think their drafting is a little overrated. And Mark Hunter was a part of that, and you were talking about that earlier, about the idea that, that you know, I think they've done well at the top, but I like the orders have been drafting so high. If you look at some of those Mark Hunter drafts that haven't been fabulous, um, even the ones that I thought would be good based on, the, I thought at the time Dubas was doing the drafting. Have maybe not worked out as well, and I guess that talks a lot about the luck of the draft. All right, have we done everything? Do we have anything to give away today? Well, we might, but we'll get to that at one twenty. <laughs> okay. We'll get to that at one twenty. Right. We got Hernan on standby here. Okay, uh, all right, from the okay. golf show. All right, so on the way, we'll talk to Ian Tullock, and we also next hour have the homework assignment uh, from Young Clack. This is Saturday Sports Extra on TSN twelve sixty.